Vider House of Hospitality is a home for young men 18 to 23 who are seeking asylum from violence in their home countries and came to the U.S. without any family. Without Viator House and a home for them to live in, they would be placed by our government in county jails or adult immigration detention centers to await the long process for appealing and working for asylum. Hi, this is Father Corey Bros, Executive Director of Viator House of Hospitality, and this is the Life at Viator House podcast series. What I hope this podcast series shows is that the men at Viator House are a gift to the world, a gift to our nation. And this international interfaith community at Viator House of participants, of staff, of volunteers and donors is really a slice of heaven. Welcome everyone who's listening to another episode of Life at Viator House the podcast where we talk about uh, the environment, the culture uh, that takes place at this house for young men seeking asylum in the U.S. who have no family to live with while they await for their asylum proceedings. As I, as I sit here today, we have 24 young men from 10 nations living with us. We've had 76 young men from 20 nations. And today's interview, I'm proud to say, is with one of our first participants. His name is Carlos from Central America. And not only was he one of our first participants, but after Carlos found a job, started working, saved money, he moved out of Vider House. And after a year or two of working in another job, we stole him back. So now he is working at Vider House as one of our house coordinators with a really unique perspective as a young man who came to the U.S. at the age at, as still as a teenager, but as an adult, seeking asylum. A young man who helped us start Vider House as a participant, and now a young adult man who's guiding our men at Vider House as a house coordinator. So welcome, Carlos. Good evening, Cody. It's good, it's great always to see you. We work together very closely. Uh, we rarely do something as formal as an interview or a podcast. But um, this is for all the people listening who are really interested in Life at Vider House, the difference it makes in people's lives, and how they can support. So I know that I want to respect the fact that your asylum case is still open. Correct. And so we're not going to go into details. But I, just so people understand the length of time, what year did you come to the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Um, I came to the, I entered to the U.S. in 2014. Okay, 2014, and this is 2021. Correct. And you're still waiting for your legal proceedings. Yes. And, um, I mean, can I just ask you, what, how do you deal with that wait? What keeps you going or hopeful or, you know, in the midst of just waiting and waiting? Um, sometimes when I start thinking about it is and I really think and I see that it's been uh, for for a really long time and um, it's stressful because I feel that I cannot completely set up you know it took me many years to actually start at college because I was like worried 
like w that is always a constant question that what might happen mm -hmm. so uh i always get like um, scared to start something that i don't know if am i going to end up finishing okay for example college that was a very big one that i was like many people was advising me not to do it because uh that might I will spend a lot of money and, you know, I don't have like a certain future here. So, um, but after a while, like uh, some other people who advised me to actually do it, uh, I started. And so you started college this year? Yes. And um, you finished a year yeah, of college. Right. Congratulations. Thank Under, you. Uh, undergrad, actually community college and in logistics, right? Business logistics. Correct. That's great. Congratulations. And so you just decide to go for it and yeah. said, I'm going to build a life. Yeah. It's just like someone told me, just, you know, just do it and just jump on it and future and time will say, will, will, will say. Okay. Um, what was it like when you were older than the other guys, when we opened Viator House in 2017, there was five of you. Um, the other guys were like 18, 19, you're 23. What was it like when we opened the house? What, was, what were those first days, weeks like when we first opened Vider House and you were a participant? Um, definitely a totally different. The house is a very big house and we were just five of us. It was funny. Mm -hmm. um, it was, um, I think that from the five of them, I, I mean, as I was the older, so I had more experience life and I see like other people look, looking up to me to do other activities you know and uh, hey when we're going to the beach or something else so um, it was it was fun uh, we had like many many stories to tell then we would make play jokes to brother Michael <laughs> uh, many soccer games mm -hmm. many many days that we had fun and did not sleep all night watching movies <laughs> um, I'm regretting it next day, but uh, yeah, it was fun. It was really, really fun. I had a lot of experience to talk to people from all around the world, literally, mm -hmm. all around the world. That's right, because when we opened, we had two men from Central America, mm -hmm. one man from Somalia, Indeed. one man from Guinea, one man from Sri Lanka. Yeah, Sri Lanka, correct. Sri Lanka, and so it really was three different continents. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just interesting to learn more about other cultures and about their religions. That that was a big one. Uh, growing up, I only I thought there was only Catholics and Christians. And then, uh, like as I grew older, I never saw like I never even heard about like Muslim Muslim religion. And then I get to know a couple of good friends of, uh, in that religion and. Uh, in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult because my English was really, really bad. It's still bad, but before it used to be even worse. <laughs> it's, it's very good, Carlos. Thank you. And uh, I got to speak with this guy, and he explained, like he actually explained, he said with me, and he told me, oh, this is what it means, and this is why we pray in this way, and this is why we fast this long, such a long time, 30 days, including mm -hmm. the Ramadan. So it was um, like it was it was cool because I, I I kind of got to understand what it was and um 
I think it was you the one who gave me a Quran in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, and I read it. I think it was an interesting book. It was very, it was, it's just like the, the whole experience of, of learning about different cultures and about different religions. It was something that is just priceless too. I think that's one of the things that makes Vider how special is that people feel comfortable talking about their religions and people are interested in learning about each other's religions because uh, we celebrate all the religious holidays. Um, and, you, and you obviously really in, were interested in that. What, what has made, I mean, it, what was, what's interesting to me is you have, and then you were there, how long were you there before you moved out into your apartment? A year and a half, well, two years? Year and a half, I think. Year and a half. And, but when you moved out, we were pretty full, like yeah. 23, 24 guys, mm -hmm. or maximum is 25. Um, what, it seems to me there's like a culture there of brotherhood. Kind of guys pretty much looking out for each other, even though they're not all really close friends. Does that make sense? It does completely. What what did what did that feel like, and what do you think is the reason for that? Um, I think that the main reason is that uh, many of the people who arrived, including me, we don't have family, and others who really don't have contact with anybody. So it's just like starting a new a new. It just started meeting new people, it's create a bond. And um, I think that is the reason why like people is so close to each other. Uh, I mean, obviously there is going to be more people feeling more comfortable with other people from their own culture. That is just natural. But uh, it's, um, it's even like that, I remember I have very good experiences with when I did not speak English and these other guys did not speak English either. And we were trying to communicate and we, I have no idea how we communicated, but uh, <laughs> we communicated to each other and we were like sharing like recipes, how to cook stuff. And uh, so it was a pretty cool experience. Was he from Africa? Yeah. So <laughs> a guy from Central America, a guy from Africa, neither speaks English. Correct. And, but you, you came together and cooked together yeah. and learned how to share recipes. Yeah, he showed me how to make this African rice that is delicious. It, there is a real a sense of brotherhood there. I think, what was it, what was, as a participant, what was so important to you about Viator House? What was, what, how did it support you or help you? Um, I feel that it was just like, um, pure welcoming of like uh, the feel that that I had. It was, you know, um, the first experience that I had with Americans, it was with a border patrol. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, when I was in detention, I had some experiences there. But then I get out and I see these, these really good people who were like very welcoming and really excited to teach like their culture, you know. I, I felt like really really happy when like people were just teaching me about like history about the United States um, like uh, 
I have a funny story about like the Chicago Cubs and the Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing a, a jersey from uh, the Chicago Cubs in Southside, so it was not a good idea. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're wearing a Chicago Cubs jersey yeah. on the south side yeah. of Chicago. Yeah. And someone suggested to you that's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's called cultural adaptation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, um, yeah, so it was a funny story, and then uh, I never put that shirt, <laughs> that jersey again, uh, until I moved to Nassau. Yeah. So you experienced it just feeling welcome, finally, yeah. in the United States, and people people kind of caring about you and helping you become comfortable here in the United States. Correct. Language and... and yeah, that was the most important, you know. I had, like, um, uh, tutors who, mm-hmm. like, teach, like, start, like, one-on-one, or, like give me a book and read to me when then I have to read to them it was like really bad my reading <laughs> well and then you got your driver's license oh man <laughs> so someone taught who taught you who worked with I you thought that I, I thought that I could drive until I failed five times to pass my <laughs> driver's license so because back in Central America where I'm from I used to drive a motorcycle I used to ride a motorcycle and I just let's say that there were no traffic signals <laughs> <laughs> that I ever saw. So um, that was like, that's where I was very confident. And then I realized that I didn't know how to actually drive here. And there were one of our volunteers helped you. Correct. Helped you refine your skills. Correct. It was very, very, very interesting because um, in my second day, uh, this guy just put me in the highway. In the Express 90. One of our volunteers? Yes. Put you in the highway in the Express Yes. Okay. It was funny, but it was like, you know, you just got to get over that fear to getting in the highway. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm happy he was with you and not me. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> what? Uh, and then, you know, but then you moved out. You got a job and you saved money and you moved out. Was that scary, moving out into your own apartment? I... I was excited because I was like, you know, moving on, um, just like doing different stuff. And um, I had, I got a really good group of friends that I made over the years. So I felt very, very cool with that. Uh-huh. And um, it was weird in the beginning because, you know, in Byron House, there is not even a single moment that is quiet in the house. <laughs> so when... Uh, it's very loud, yeah, uh, you know, most of the exactly. day. Exactly. Most of the day, people, like, singing, uh, just talking. Mm-hmm. There is always something that makes noise. And then uh, when I moved out to this apartment, everything was very, very quiet. That it was actually uncomfortable <laughs> how quiet it was. Uh that was weird, and I thought I would, like, feel comfortable with that, and I was like, okay, with the time I adapted again. But, um, yeah. And as you, uh, and then when after, what, heck, a year later or so, uh, a job opening came, and we invited you to come and work, why did you come back? Hmm. It was, um, I remember the time that uh, my brother Gosh called me and he told me that you and him needed to speak with me. And I said, oh my God, what did I do now? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you did something wrong. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, okay. And then we set up a day and then he told me about uh, that they have, they have an, that you guys have an opening and uh, you have, guys have thought uh, about giving me that job. 
and I said like okay <laughs> okay we'll see and then I um but I had to quit my other job and um because like the schedules were mm -hmm. like similar so um I I, I think I get asked him for a couple of days just to give it a thought you know and uh I was just thinking a lot and I was like um I wasn't just nervous that I did not felt that I was I could do it you know mm -hmm. because uh, the job that I was doing was different mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't I wasn't sure that I could fill that position and uh, <laughs> uh, in the end I, I really I was like well you got the experience the inside experience from that job you know and mm -hmm. I said like okay uh, let's give it a try if not just I'm just going to quit later <laughs> everything have worked out pretty well so far yeah, it's been great, and you're yeah. a house coordinator. Correct. And so you're there um, weeknights, some week evenings, and then all all day Saturday and Sunday. And describe for the people listening what a house coordinator does. What's your role with the guys, the participants? Oh, it's mostly, you know, like in any house, there, have to be, there are some chores that has to be done um, to keep the house clean and organized. So... Um, our job is basically um, organize those schedules and uh, make sure that the people cooperate to clean, do the, the chores of the house, the, so the house can keep clean and neat. Um, many other things that are, for example, organizing uh, trips, or organizing uh, activities, so the people, the participants are not bored during the weekends or during different festivities. Sometimes. And that's one of your specialties, is you yeah. like to get guys together to have fun. What like, are some of the things that you've gotten guys together to do that that um, really makes weekends when you're there special for some of the guys? Um, I don't know if I should tell you because you're my boss, but... <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell okay, me? Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, no, mostly it's been just like games. Um, not too long ago, we found these um, wa water balloons, uh -huh. and we filled them with water, and we made three teams, and, and we just started <laughs> a water balloon fight. Yeah, it was uh, it was fine until I fell. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, different activities. Sometimes we over the past year it was difficult because everything was closed yes. the, during the pandemic, but. Um, we made this, we used to play soccer every day because everyone was in the house. We couldn't go out anywhere. Mm -hmm. So we were just playing soccer every day. It was, it was fun. Um, we do um, welcoming to participants when the participants are like new and they are to arrive there. We prepare like their bedrooms and um, they show them around, explain them how everything works in like the house. Many people don't know how to cook, and with the years I learned, <laughs> so I teach them how to make tacos most of the time <laughs> and uh, some rice, some basic stuff, so they can start getting into. And something that is pretty cool that uh, some of the participants that I teach them how to make tacos, they always bring back, when they are like two, three weeks after, they keep bringing me tacos, hey, how, how this looks like? <laughs> they feed they, you. They, they want to, they, I feel that uh, that they want to make sure that, hey, I said, this is, this look good? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes um, they overpass me, 
Yeah, uh, they have really good cooking. Yeah. Oh, they serve, yeah, they, they're better yeah. cooks than you. So yes. you've taught guys to cook and they become better yeah, cooks. Yeah, definitely. There are some guys who are really good cooking. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, when you're in the house, there's a, generally a lot of laughter because you, you like to joke and tease. And that really, I think, makes a big difference. One of the things that's really important, I think, from my perspective is you have been through really hard things at home, a dangerous journey, and you're still waiting in our asylum system. How, does, how do those experiences help you work with the guys? Um, I think that um, it's just like understanding what someone is going through with experience because mm -hmm. you might, I might have been or I have been through those situations or similar. It's just like um, kind of like know what to say in the mm -hmm. moment, I'll say, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, just like know what to say and just make sure them to know that we are there for them and as many other like staff members when I was a participant did to me, I feel that um, mm, when someone is like a, a, the court is getting close to, I you can see how nervous the person looks. They get nervous when their yeah. court hearing is coming yeah. up, or like the actual day, mm -hmm. or if the court went bad or mm -hmm. something is or a lot have changed or something. Uh, you can see like the anxiety on the people, mm -hmm. on the participant, and then uh, I mean it's just people is just like uh, sad in some way, you mm -hmm. know, but um. I think that that's like the moment that you have to like as a house coordinators we have to stop step in and like just offer them any help that anybody might need. So, you, but you can I because you've been through that and you feel like you know how to respond, how to support and strengthen them. Correct. What are some things you might say? Well, when um, someone like get an extension for the court, you know. Uh -huh. Uh, like they delayed, they, exactly. they delayed their court hearing for maybe a year. Exactly, or they don't even have a date. Yeah. Um, this person is just might be sad and it's like, dude, I know, I know what is going on with this and I know how bad it is to be waiting for such a long time. But um, there is not much that we can do about it, but just enjoy the time that we have here. Okay. And just let, let's worry about the problems later. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so you show them some camaraderie, some brotherhood, yeah. and they know they're not alone. Yeah. Um, I know that um, your faith is important to you. And how does your faith as a Catholic help you, one, as you wait for asylum, two, as you help guys who are waiting for asylum? Does you, how does your faith help you? Or guide you mm. you know like almost every religion has these certain rules that is just help others is one of the most important things Jesus himself said that the most important mandatory that God has is just love each other uh, I think that just showing support people um, has like play a big role in my like spiritual life and even just like um, knowing about other religions 
it have strengthened my life, my religious uh, spiritual life. I'll say mm, because um, for example, I didn't know that Catholics are supposed to fast some days on the year too. <laughs> so you've actually learned about your religion by exploring other religions. Correct. Uh, correct. And um, yeah, I think that that's it's just like I, I think that this job I feel that I'm doing something meaningful with others as many others have done with some something meaningful when I was a participant there. And that for you is what your faith is all about. Oh it's important because um it's just like I feel that this uh work that Jesus is like God is like so even though that I'm like working and getting paid for it, I feel that it's a, a job that is um that I'm doing something that even like Jesus will do, you know, someone who is into the church. You're, you're doing what Jesus would do, right? Is that what, yeah. Probably, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I, I would agree. Yeah. And you're doing it with a lot of laughter and by pulling pranks so that our audience knows three days or so after we opened Vider House at night, you remember this? I came down to my office in the dark oh, yeah. <laughs> to start setting up, and I opened, and I j almost jumped out of my clothes and screamed because there was a giant plastic ghost, ghost <laughs> on the chair right facing me when I opened the door. So, so that, for all of you listening, is another thing that Eric brings is pranks. Uh, that, by the way, has now become our mascot, Casper, in my office, but... Laughter is pretty important to you, and you make a lot. It's how do you? I mean, do you intend to get guys laughing, or is it just natural? But there's a lot of laughter and and, and fun at Vider House when you're there. Yeah, mm, I don't know. I just intend like I feel that make someone laugh. If I feel that if I can make someone laugh, I will have a better connection with the person, mm -hmm. and I'm just like that and everywhere. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I've been like that forever and ever, I think. <laughs> you have the best laugh at Vider House. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, what would you like people who don't understand our asylum system, especially the way it treats young people, what would you like them to know? Because many of them might be listening right now. Well, it's important to get informed always. Uh, you know, sometimes we just uh take for granted what like in the news said and um it's just like investigate more about like the asylum process that people have take because uh this is like an actual court people goes to detention center jails for like long long time and um like without like the crime is just not having papers yeah. Don't have documents. Um, which is even though it's illegal, it's not a crime that a person should be paying years with of their life. Yeah, there are for a lot of mm -hmm. lists so for people to know that people coming to the US and asking for asylum are likely to spend months or years in jails waiting for their unless they get bonded out. And I'm not sure and these people have committed no crime 
and they are not dangerous. They have come here asking for protection. And you yourself, had how long did you spend in detention before, um, after you first asked for asylum? I would say about five months. Five months. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine, I imagine that was very hard. It was, yeah. What kept you going then? Uh, I would say fate. Okay. Because um, honestly, there was not. Um, it was a difficult time, but uh, when you see people uh, like cellmates that they have been there for one, two years, and nothing has happened with their cases, it's hard to keep like your faith, mm -hmm. like that I'm going to get out soon. And in my case, that um, there was just like nobody to receive me outside, outside. I had no family in the U.S., so it was like I would probably be, I don't know, for many, many years there probably. Mm -hmm. But it, someone did bond you out? Uh, correct. And you're not even sure who to this day. <laughs> for those listening, when Carlos was freed from detention, uh, he, he had done nothing wrong. As I mentioned earlier, he was in detention simply because he was seeking asylum and had no family to live with. Um, to this day, he's not sure who bonded him out, but we're very happy someone did because he found his way to Viter House. And we have um, been honored to have him with us much of the time since. He was gone for a year and a half, but kept in close touch so that we could f find him and offer him a job and bring him back. And it's men like Car uh, Carlos, uh, people like Carlos, that provide the personalities, the compassion, the spiritual depth that helps create and maintain a community of brotherhood, um, an international interfaith community where everyone's identity, their cultural background, their faith tradition is respected and celebrated where, where young men feel safe and can start to rebuild their lives, as Carlos has done by not only working and getting an apartment, but now going to college. So thanks, Carlos, uh, for your time. Thank you for the incredible spirit and love that you bring to Vider House and to, and to uh, my life personally. And I hope everyone listening has learned a little bit more about life at Vider House, and we encourage you to continue to learn about Vider House and our asylum system, how it's broken, and how you can make a difference in making it more humane and compassionate. Thanks, Carlos. You're welcome. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Life at Vider House podcast. We invite you to get to know Vider House. Visit our website, viderhouseofhospitality.com. Sign up for brief newsletters that will give you a look at the many ways our young men are experiencing success and contributing to our nation already. Consider volunteering as a tutor or house assistant, or finally, Join us as one of our financial donors. 
as we work to provide hope, healing, opportunity for the men at Vider House. We're building an interfaith, international community that we'd like you to be part of.